technology presents a great opportunity to level the playing field when it comes to all these like missed opportunities that we see in sports. You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed. I'm your host, Thomas Alones. Great to have you join us again this week. On today's show, we have Jasmine Kingsley, Senior Vice President, Legal and People and General Counsel at Huddle, a global leader in sports video technology, headquartered in Lincoln, Nebraska, here in the United States. Jasmine began her legal career in private practice at law firms in Silicon Valley and focused on practice on technology and intellectual property transactions. She joined Huddle as General Counsel in 2015 and currently leads the company's global legal and people operations team. She's also involved in the Breakthrough Summit, a free digital leadership summit designed to develop and celebrate women in sports. The third annual edition of the conference is happening Tuesday, December 14th from 12 to 5 US Eastern Time. It's organized and developed by Huddle and WeCoach and attendance is completely free of charge. So BreakthroughSummit.live is where you can register and I'd recommend you check it out. Some really interesting and important topics being discussed there. So The real focus of it is stimulating activism for women and their allies across coaching, media, and front offices, and acknowledging that even after a revolutionary year for women in sports, there's still so much work to be done. And the one stat I think is a key indicator of that, and we'll dive into it a little bit more with discussion with Jasmine, is that only 42.5% of women's collegiate teams are coached by women. So it's been remaining stagnant near an all-time low, and out of that, only 24%, so less than a quarter of youth sports coaches are women. It's an incredibly important topic and we've all got to do our part in bridging that gender equity divide in sports and hopefully technology has a role to play in that. As always, I'm your host, Thomas Loams. Thanks for joining us on Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Jasmine Kingsley, Senior Vice President, Legal and People and General Counsel at Huddle. Welcome to Sports Tech Feed. Great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Thomas. Great to be here. So... Huddle may be very familiar for a lot of people in the industry, and then for some people, uh, they might have seen seen it in action, but not understand the company behind it. So, can you give us a, a bit of an overview of Huddle's founding, the the journey of where it is to now, and its range of products? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, we're a global sports video technology company. And our primary mission is to build the world's most powerful network of sports video and data to empower teams to make every moment count. Um, So we build products and solutions that are really focused on leveling the playing field and supporting coaches, athletes, analysts, recruiters, and leaders of sports organizations, um, all the way from grassroots teams to professional organizations. And video and data is really at the heart of of everything we do. Um, So we got our start... um, here at the University of Nebraska, you know, we're headquartered here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Our founders were students at the Rake School, um, which is sort of a kind of a management and technology program there. Um, And, you know, our our CEO was also really involved in the athletics department. They all caught the entrepreneurial bug and um, really wanted to figure out how they could leverage technology to to help support Nebraska athletics um, at the outset. So um, we got our start, you know, helping football coaches and athletes really connect and effectively communicate around video uh, as a coaching tool, as a way to scout um, opponents and kind of prepare for that next match. And then as well as a recruiting tool, allowing athletes to um, to create and share highlights. Um, and it was really interesting, you know, they, University of Nebraska, uh, Coach Callahan was our, our first big customer there. Um, really looking for a way to digitize um, and kind of make more efficient that experience of like burning a bunch of DVDs, 
uh, printing out, you know, potent scouting reports and then handing those out to players. They really wanted to find a way to, um, to bring that digital. And, you know, when coach Callahan left UNL and, and ended up uh, heading over to coach the New York jets, they kind of became our first big pro customer. And that was where the, the company initially had its sites. And we were just hearing more and more, you know, from high school teams, from coaches at the college level, like, hey, we have these same issues. Like we're looking to solve the same problems. Um, how, can, how can you get huddle on our hands? And it took us a while to really recognize um, the, the huge opportunity that was available there. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the number of uh, high school teams like far, far exceeds that of, of pro NFL teams. And it was, it was a hard opportunity to turn our backs on. And so once we kind of came to that realization, um, really kind of got our start there in the high school and small college space, um, starting with American football and then expanding from there, you know, into basketball, into global football, you know, soccer. Um, and now we cover, you know, almost 40 sports, serving about 180,000 teams around the world. And that's, and that's something that I personally love about Huddle. And this is, I guess, more about your, your story and the narrative that sits around it um, rather than drilling in on a particular product is, um, one, it's not all about the pros. I think talking to a lot of sports tech startups that we advise is a lot of the time they're concerned about, well, I have to be just for the elite. And that's where they assume the money is. And that's also where they assume the need is rather than going, well, there's such a long tail within what we call sports uh, especially in a market like the US across the high school and the collegiate athletic, uh, athletic kind of realm, it's quite underserved. So it's, it may be the, the super sexy, awesome, shiny thing of, of the pros, but it's a very limited market. So actually look at that, that long tail. And the second thing is Lincoln, Nebraska. I could not point to that on a map. And I love that this you know, global leader in sports technology has been built there. And that's something that we've talked about on different podcast episodes um, I think it, it featured heavily when we were talking to Travis McDonough from Conduct and they're out of Nova Scotia, Canada. Um, so the equivalent of like a, like a fishing village basically is how I think of it. It definitely is not that. And I said that to Travis <laughs> and he said, that's fine. In the same way, I think of Lincoln, I think pastures and stuff. Again, it's not that it is, you know, it is a city. Let's I'm not trying to, um, you know, deride the great state of Nebraska or, or the inhabitants <laughs> of Lincoln. But the whole point about that is you don't have to go to New York, London, Silicon Valley, LA, wherever else to have a successful business. You can actually build that and grow that from where you are. You just need to have product market fit. You need to have all the other things that, that go into what it is. Great people, great talent pipeline, obviously out of the university there, um, and a great company culture to attract people in. So bit of a long-winded comment but uh basically that's the two of the things I, I love about what huddle's done and what it's what it's doing and, and and the next question is really around what are what are those products look like what is the i guess the the most innovative part of those those products so obviously it's taking a, a very um archaic system um you know vhs to dvd to to the next you know into the digital um and digitizing all that in terms of some of the hardware, what's the, I guess, the, the coolest elements of it? Yeah, you know, so that, that's where we got our start. And I think um, the technology has, has grown and changed tremendously since then. Um, when I think about, you know, the, the core of what we're trying to do, you know, coming back to that mission around 
helping teams kind of capture and bring value to, to every moment from their games, to their practice, to their training sessions. Um, you know, our, our core software across web and mobile helps teams to tag those key moments, to quickly bring up the moments that matter and really focusing, you know, being able to focus their coaching around that. And then from the hardware perspective, um, we've been really investing in AI powered smart cameras um, designed to kind of eliminate that, that additional burden of being able to capture that content and bring it into huddle. And so, you know, our technology is able to, to do that for coaches, um, helping them to uh, capture and deliver insights in real time. Um, so Huddle Focus, which is our automated capture camera solution, uploads to Huddle live. Um, it's smart, so it has the schedule all loaded up. It knows when the games are going to start. Um, and then it automatically follows the action. And, um, you know, our goal is really to get, you know, a huddle focus camera on, you know, every court, every pitch, every, you know, every field. We're also, um, in addition to kind of the indoor and outdoor solutions, working on a portable solution as well, um, you know, to make sure that we can really capture every single moment that matters and really kind of start to democratize access to that data and that valuable information. Um, and then the other part of what we offer, you know, so we have an assisted breakdown service um, really helping, uh, helping teams to kind of take that data and, and derive meaningful insights from that based off of, you know, reporting that we can do. Um, so we have a really talented team of analysts that tag that video down, break it down for coaches, and then also leverage the power of machine learning and computer vision to kind of help uh, make that scalable. So a lot of exciting things going on on that front. So I wanted to jump in there on the, um, the phrase democratizing the technology, um, which I, I think is something that's really cool. And again, something that I kind of hammer home uh, every chance I get around this revolution in sports technology is it's taking things that were only accessible, available, um, and you know, whether that's financially or even uh, the complexity of the systems, and then feeding that down to every single layer of sports. So people from all different areas have access to this and can kind of build on that. And that's something that uh, I want to talk about a little later. First of all, I want to jump into um, what you've seen over the last 18 months with COVID. So obviously sporting events being cancelled or having no fans, um, being postponed, schedules, differences, everything kind of piling in on each other. Um, and now the return to play in, in somewhat normal conditions what have you seen throughout that period? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, at the, the start and, and really during the, the height of the pandemic, there was just so much uncertainty. You know, I, I think that's what we're hearing from our coaches, from our athletic directors, and just what we're feeling internally is like, you know, when will sports come back? What will they look like? Um, how is that landscape going to change? And I think, you know, one thing that became clear is that, you know, we still needed to coach, uh, athletes still need to get recruited, even if events and, and combines and things like that aren't happening. Um, and so we saw really an uptick in highlight creation, um, an uptick in content creation and huddle. We saw coaches utilizing our technology, utilizing the system to, um, to keep teams feeling united, to keep them training. Um, we saw some really cool things around like syncing video um, to kind of support remote coaching sessions. And so I think people just really evolving um, their thinking about how technology can help uh, enhance and, and really adapt that process in, in this new world that we're living in. Um, and then obviously, you know, I think 
sports don't don't sleep, you know, so the, the return to play has been really exciting. We've been able to stay on the forefront of being able to uh, get coaches, athletes and, and our customers kind of like back on board um, with what we're doing and, and, and really haven't lost ground over the course of the pandemic. So I think it changed a lot of mindsets around how technology um, can help support and facilitate um, the coaching process, but uh, we were really able to um, support our support our customers through that process. Yeah, it's interesting to know we take the technology and use it in kind of different ways. Probably some ways that you thought of, but otherwise that maybe you you hadn't or weren't the uh, the original purpose. And then actually going well, whatever works for them, um, especially with the remote training, obviously a big one, um, and some things that that may stick around after the pandemic. I think the jury's still out on, on how much um, stuff will be fully remote like that, but it's still an option, especially in the off-season. So returning to our, our topic of uh, democratization of technology and, and what that can mean, um, can you tell us a little bit about the Breakthrough Summit and what its mission is? Um, what are you trying to achieve by putting it together? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that's, you know, definitely near and dear to my, my heart. It's part of what gets, gets me up in the morning and um, keeps me excited about my role here. And I think it, it I'll, I'll come to the Breakthrough Summit in a moment, but um, just kind of starting with, with our why as a company, I, I think is really important, kind of recognizing um, the power of sports as this global force, you know, as, as a common language and, um, you know, a, a force that can really bridge differences and drive change. Um, and we really noticed that, you know, technology uh, presents a great opportunity to level the playing field um, when it comes to all these like missed opportunities that we see in sports, things from great talent that goes unseen or unnoticed, um, or coaches having to kind of like make adjustments based on gut rather than data, or, you know, parents and fans missing these big events, especially as we've seen kind of through the pandemic. And so we know that technology has a really important role to play in um, facilitating that access, which is kind of what we, what we mean when we talk about um, democratizing that. Um, and so I think about it on a, on a few fronts. You know, first, when I think about um, training, you know, and the power of equipping every single team with world-class tools to enhance the training that athletes receive, um, unlocking the power of video and data to help coaches coach more effectively and give athletes the opportunity to review their own performance and identify, you know, opportunities to get better, I, I think is huge. Um, and then it's the recruitment context as well. So elevating the visibility for, you know, some, some of those athletes who may not have otherwise get, had the opportunity to get their shot, um, helping them be seen, helping them get recruited and getting that exposure is, is really critical. And I think some of the things that motivate and inspire me, you know, so when I think about, um, the Breakthrough Summit and the partnership between Huddle and WeCoach, um, it's, I think it really came together, that partnership, due to the strong alignment in our values and in our mission. Um, you know, both organizations share this really deep commitment to unlocking the power of sport um, for everyone, regardless of, you know, where you're located in the world or, or race or gender or socioeconomic status, um, really believing that, you know, sports have the power to, to change the world and change lives. And then wanting to democratize access to that opportunity for everyone, including women who um, remain, you know, pretty grossly underrepresented, especially in the in the coaching profession. Um, and so, you know, kind of harnessing this belief in the power of representation, 
um, and the power of, of elevating women to positions of authority um, in sports, I think is an important part of closing that gap. And when Huddle and We Coach came together, you know, we recognized that we each kind of respectively had access to different audiences that we wanted to bring together and connect around this really important topic. Um, being able to elevate really frank discussions about the challenges that women continue to face uh, in sport and, and you know, more generally, um, as well as being able to promote women leaders and, and celebrate women in sports um, and using that as a platform to drive meaningful change. And so the summit, you know, it's really designed around, you know, that purpose of developing, inspiring, celebrating women in sports. It's a free digital leadership event. Um, it brings together, you know, top women coaches and administrators and sports industry influencers, as well as other women who are, um, you know, just passionate about, uh, you know, increasing the power and the opportunity for women generally and then empowering others to break through gender and other social barriers. And I think, you know, especially kind of coming off of the year that we've had, you know, continuing to stimulate activism for women and allies, you know, across coaching, media, front offices, um, while also acknowledging all the work that's left to be done, I think is um, a really important purpose that we're all kind of rallying behind. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, something that is, really inspiring to me is this, the we coach motto is if, if you can see her, you can be her. And, you know, I, I think it's, there's some tough stats around this where I want to say like only 42% of um, head coaches of women's D one collegiate teams are women. It basically means like six out of 10 women's teams are coached by men. Um, and I think we need to just keep emphasizing the importance of, of seeing women in coaching positions and not just of women's teams, but, you know, normalizing the idea that women can coach men's teams as well. Um, you know, normalizing the idea that women are going to be empowering each other and then kind of helping them to kind of come up through those ranks, mentoring assistant coaches. Like it's like when you can see that that um, person is an example for you, uh, I think it is really powerful. And I think back to, you know, like my own experience in high school, I was I was no no one's idea of a star athlete, but. I didn't realize at the time, you know, how powerful it was to have um, coaches that were women, you know, and especially, you know, I grew up in Southern California. It was a pretty homogenous environment. I was one of, you know, just a handful of, of black students at my school. Um, but having a softball coach, you know, who was a black woman, um, I think just kind of quietly and subtly made a huge difference in terms of my self-confidence, in terms of being able to envision myself, you know, as a leader. Um, and it's a great teammate. So I think that's what's really exciting about the summit, being able to bring these voices together um, to amplify these voices, to elevate these issues and to um, start working towards solutions. So what, are, what do you think are the biggest drivers of that, that gender inequality or gender equity divide, specifically in collegiate and high school level? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think it's, it, it's multifold, you know, so one issue again is kind of this lack of representation. I think at the, um, I think the data shows right now, like 24% of youth sports coaches were, were women in 2019. And that number's actually been decreasing over the past several years. Um, and then those numbers, you know, the differences are even more stark when we, we think about women of color, um, especially at the, like the D1 level, you know, where I think only 16% of D1 coaches are, 
women of color. Um, I think specifically at the, you know, at the high school and collegiate level, it comes back to um, this idea of, of access, you know, so I think there's like a few issues uh, at play. First is, you know, um, when we think about the power of technology, specifically to like bridge the, the gender equity divide, um, access to data and information is huge. Um, and I think technology can serve as a great solution here when we think about, you know, scalable solutions that mean we can get these powerful tools in the hands of more coaches, more athletes um, in a more accessible way and really start to increase visibility for athletes in sports that you know, perhaps aren't as well resourced or in communities that aren't as well resourced um, in more remote parts of the world, for example. Um, and so increasing that visibility and then also empowering athletes to start to own their own narrative around their performance, um, around their kind of brand persona and identity to, to help them ultimately get noticed and get recruited. Um, and I think this impacts women's athletics uh, in, a, in a few key ways. You know, so first, um, when I think about, you know, our purpose as a company, helping every athlete get the shot that they deserve, uh, there's a big challenge around equity in athletic departments. You know, so I think um, a lot of tools that come to athletic departments are really oriented more towards maybe like football or basketball, um, but there's so many other sports and athletes to serve. Um, and I think uh, women's sports and even sports at, you know, the JV and freshman levels are kind of disproportionately impacted by that. Um, so sometimes it's as simple as changing how we think about getting our technology in the hands of coaches and athletes. Um, we, you know, have recently made a really big investment in ensuring that our products are multi-sport. Um, so they can serve football and basketball, but also, you know, sports like lacrosse, like volleyball, like field hockey. And, you know, a few years ago, we kind of shifted um, shifted the way we package our products really from kind of individual coaches and teams to thinking about um, how, how we can increase access to huddle across campuses. So really partnering with athletic directors to ensure that coaches and athletes across the entire athletic department get access to these tools. And this has resulted in, you know, providing more access to more teams within the school, including more women's teams, um, including teams at all levels. And so it's, it's been kind of like, you know, I think, um, we just didn't realize the, the level of impact that that would have. Um, and just ensuring that, you know, all teams have access to the same technology as some of these more prominent or well-funded teams, I think is helping to create a little bit more equity and increase opportunities for women athletes who can benefit from these resources. And then, you know, I'll say one other point on this, I think um, it, it's also around kind of like how automated capture technology um, can, can help really buttress, um, the power of, of this impact, you know, so it, we don't really want like organizations that use huddle to have to choose, you know, which content is being captured and therefore, you know, which teams get access to this data, which moments are captured, which, which athletes then get noticed. And so automating capture means, you know, there's like one less thing for the coach or say a volunteer parent or a team manager or somebody with, you know, their iPad on the sidelines to think about, you know, they don't have to worry about missing those moments anymore. There's increased opportunity to coach around them, increased opportunity to help these athletes get better and get noticed. Um, and it's really unlocking more value, I think, than we initially understood beyond those, those traditionally well-resourced programs. So it's, so it's to kind of summarize that, that's selling into an athletic department rather than selling into, say, the football team that's well-resourced 
obviously male dominated sport, both in terms of playing and then uh, and coaching, but then you sell into the athletic department so other teams can use that. So women's uh, field hockey could could take that um, and use that. And then it's automated so they don't have to um, have extra coaching staff to be able to capture that. D- does that work for it as well in terms of, um, say, potential to either stream that event or actually put that out publicly somewhere? Because that's that's certainly the issue with um, with women's sport in particular is if there's a, you know, men's soccer versus a women's soccer, whatever it is, a lot of the time that the men's um, particular sport with more high profile, that's going to get on TV or it's going to get on whatever streaming platform they have. It's going to get the airtime um, and obviously eyeballs on it is, is what helps grow that sport, that program. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you raise a really important point there. Um, and it does unlock that potential, you know, so we can end up streaming that content through platforms like YouTube. Um, again, like by increasing the amount of content that we're able to capture, ensuring that we're uh, kind of getting a lens on those really key moments. It empowers athletes to kind of take control over that into their own hands in terms of the ability to, you know, create highlights, post those to their social media um, and leverage some of the other platforms out there to continue to increase that visibility even when, you know, kind of traditional media uh, isn't as focused on, say, women's athletics. So I think that that's a huge opportunity. Um, and then I think, the, you know, kind of just coming back to some of the, the issues around the gender divide, you know, I think there's a couple more points I'd make um, on this front. You know, one thing that we hear a lot from our coaches is just about how, technology is empowering them to, to get back really valuable time. Um, and so I think optimizing the use of valuable time is a, is a, is a huge value add here. And I think, you know, when we connect this to the issues around gender equity, um, I really think about it in terms of, you know, this unpaid or invisible labor that women kind of bear disproportionately in terms of caring for homes, you know, caring for families, um, children. And I think especially, you know, through the pandemic, you know, we've seen about four times as many women have dropped out of the labor force as men due to lack of childcare, you know, so, you know, as, as a mother personally, as somebody who's really passionate and committed to her career, but also, you know, committed to my family, I don't feel like I should have to make that sort of impossible choice um, and being able to leverage technology to, to get my time back, um, to make my life easier and, and to um, help me kind of balance balance those competing responsibilities is huge. And I think an important um, opportunity to help level that playing field. Yeah, definitely. And I'd add as a dad, come on guys, lift your game, go help out your significant other around the home. That's something that um, definitely needs to happen as well. But, but as you said, it's, it's reflecting inequality and the inequity in society in general is um the expectation of being on that care group, give a role. And then if you're coaching and the hours that that, that takes and um, the commitment that that takes, adding that layer on, on top of it would make it more difficult. So it's one of those things that none of this stuff happens by accident. There are, there is always something that you can look to and, and, and causes behind this. And that's something for me as well as seeing um, in terms of the talent that's coming through, especially the, the collegiate system in the U S but you could say about other grassroots to pro um, uh, systems across the world is, well, if you have a robust female uh, competition for whatever it is at the elite level, 
all right, why isn't that transitioning to coaching? Why is that kind mm-hmm. of hitting us that, you know, the glass ceiling is, is obviously the, the phrase, but why is that not transitioning? It's not for lack of talent. There's all these people that are there at an exceptional level. Why isn't that transitioning across? So that's something that there needs to be, um, I guess, with programs like the, uh, the Breakthrough Summit to, to actually address. And something specific to the US collegiate system uh, is name, image, likeness. So the changes that happened, uh, across the US this year, uh, allowing student athletes to be able to make money from their name, image, and likeness. So basically, endorsements, sponsorship deals for endo- endorsing products, showing up to um, whatever it is. You know, it might be might be a car wash that you you come along and sign some autographs would be the classic one. Um, but certainly, most of the modern ones are, are more targeted around social media, uh, building followers, all that kind of stuff, and for athletes looking to go pro, college is the biggest time for them to build their brand um, and really invest in their brand, build it up. So when they do go to pro leagues, they have an established brand identity. They have some sponsorship deals under their belt. They have dedicated followers, things like that. So will name image likeness exacerbate or alleviate the gender equity divide in sports? Will the ability for women to make money from this help or will be one of those things that all that money that's flooding in will still go to the same programs that have all the money so men's basketball men's football is it just going to be that gap's just going to widen because the same money that's coming in at say a a booster level and at an allocation level tv rights everything else it stays there or is it one of those things that we can help rebalance it yeah that's a great question i I don't think it's a panacea, you know, but I, I'm really excited about it. Um, I think it's a game-changing opportunity to expose some of the shifting landscape that's already happening around um, the momentum and the interest in women's athletics. You know, I, I think um, we're seeing that through the power of social media, you know, the potential earning power for women athletes um, could potentially even exceed that of, of their male counterparts. And I think we're seeing that be uh, social media really being a, a better gauge of popularity than say even traditional media cover coverage. Um, also allowing these athletes to sort of circumvent some of those traditional gatekeepers of, of personal brand identity that have disproportionately focused on and benefited male athletes. Um, and so these women, um, these, these athletes who have significant followings on social media, um, I think that you know, they become experts at sort of marketing themselves in the absence of attention from traditional media and the changing rules around NIL um, just finally give them the opportunity to capitalize on that following when, you know, when they're kind of in the prime of their careers. Um, I I think about like, you know, pre the rule change when, when, you know, this monetization was restricted, especially, you know, thinking about sports like softball or, or volleyball or gymnastics um, I think it's, it's really worth noting that we're kind of restricting that earning potential. What would, uh, what would otherwise be the, you know, kind of the height or the peak of their earning power, um, especially in, in areas where professional opportunities might be more limited, you know? So I think the ability for women athletes to market themselves during their prime and to capitalize on that is huge. I'm really excited about it. Um, and then we're actually going to be talking about this at the Breakthrough Summit. So um, OpenDoors, which is a, a digital marketing platform that facilitates you know, endorsement deals between athletes and brands, 
It's another uh, Lincoln, Nebraska company here. Um, but during the uh, during this year's NCAA tournament, they released a list of the, the top 20 most followed college basketball players on Instagram and eight out of the 10 were women, you know? So I think there's like a huge opportunity here. Um, I think NIL and unlocking that opportunity can really increase visibility for these women athletes, which would hopefully increase engagement with um, women's athletics overall. You know, I, I, I guess I'd say like, I wanna see us um, kind of put an end to the devaluation of the contribution of women in sports and start to dismantle some of those structures that say that, you know, women athletes don't have the same value as their male counterparts. I, I think it's just not true. Um, and while NIL won't solve this outright, it's a, it's a big step in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. And the point you made there around some of the, um, the sports that maybe don't have a pro path or they do have a pro path in terms of a, um, a national team, uh, Olympic sports, um, they don't also have that much money necessarily around them. So uh, we actually had Zaylin Jan Muhammad. She's the SVP Partnership Development Innovation uh, at the LA 28 Olympic properties. And they're doing some stuff with open doors around that. So building a similar uh, market, connecting athletes with sponsorship opportunities. Uh, but if athletes can build that social media presence and all those indicators that when brands come to someone and say, well, let's determine your worth, how much are you going to impact my brand? How much are you going to push it out there? They can do that in college um, and use also the support and the weight of the institution, uh, the university uh, behind them as well. So be able to amplify that out and you know, have tech platforms, like you said, open doors, things that support that. So another way that tech is democratizing access um, to a whole host of, of um, positive things for, for athletes. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the huge opportunity on the recruiting front as well, you know, being able to utilize Huddle to create those highlights, to get those, those moments that matter seen and to start to really control um, and create that narrative around, you know, their brand as an athlete, I think is, is really powerful and exciting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I hadn't even thought of that. So I, mean, I guess that's why you, you work at Huddle, got to get in there with the Huddle can help on this one as well, but it's true. I mean, if you've got that, uh, that viral highlight clip or the content, content is king, being able to push that onto your social media followers. Um, you're obviously not capturing it yourself while you're, uh, you're on the field. So to be able to automatically uh, collect that and then edit it up and then get it out to your fans is, um, is an important thing when you don't necessarily have ESPN doing it for you. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, in line with our commitment to around trying to increase this visibility and we've done, some pretty exciting things around, you know, creating a, a her huddle Snapchat where we're kind of elevating these awesome moments from women, um, looking at like girls basketball top five and, and just trying to find opportunities to create a safe space um, for women to, to kind of celebrate their talent and their success and um, continuing to normalize that. So I think it's an exciting time to be in the space. Yeah, great. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Jasmine. Uh, I've got one final question before you leave us today. What is your favorite sporting moment of all time? Yes. Um, I know you ask this of all your guests. This one was a little bit of a challenge. I was kind of torn, you know, I, as a um, elder millennial Southern Californian, there were a lot of uh, kind of peak Lakers, late eighties, uh, early aughts moments I was thinking about, but where I ended up landing, um, I think the one that had the kind of the most profound impact on me personally was 
the 1999 Women's World Cup final where Brandi Chastain kind of scored that decisive penalty kick against China. Um, and then she kind of like threw off her jersey and dropped to her knees. And we, you know, we got that like iconic, maybe one of the most iconic, yeah. you know, with photos in women's athletics period. But it was an interesting moment, I think, just kind of thinking about that mid to late 90s period, you know, like the 1996 Olympics was the first time we in Atlanta was the first time we saw, you know, women's soccer at the Olympic level. And then that kind of generated this buzz. So I remember, you know, watching this game with friends and, and just like the, the, the feeling of pride and um, the celebration of like women's power, kind of like having arrived in sports. And then it was really disappointing to see the narrative kind of turn to like sports broad gate and, you know, the, the sports broad that shook the world. I remember having conversations with some of my teachers and, and coaches afterwards, and they were just highlighting, this is an example of some of the you know disparity that, w- that women in sports continue to face. And like, this is exciting. We should be celebrating this moment, but you should also be upset about the way that this is being covered, yeah. you know, and I'm, you know, like 14 or 15 years old and um, going through this experience. I think it really just kind of left this indelible mark on me in terms of a being able to highlight and celebrate, you know, women winning, like, yeah, that, that we need to be doing that more regularly, but then also recognizing just some of the barriers we face, like how can we stay focused on eliminating those? So that one sticks out to me. I mean, that, yeah, that fantastic example. And, and sad to say that there's some, I don't know if it's pockets, I don't know how widespread it is, but there's certainly some things uh, that around that that haven't changed in terms of um, the, the example that comes to mind is um, beach volleyball uniforms um, at the Olympics. And I think it was handball as well. And some other sports is that the women are wearing bikinis and have to wear bikinis and the men wear basically whatever they want, shorts and t-shirt and things like that. And that was one of those things going, all right, well, if you're going to encourage women to play these sports, maybe let them wear what they want, not, you know, necessarily revealing clothes. If they want to wear the revealing clothes, cause they, they feel like it plays better great do that as well but you know this shouldn't it should be a non-issue it should be allowing that that equity and equality um but then you see so much more positive stuff obviously the work that um you're doing jasmine um and then you know, at a professional level in terms of how women's soccer has taken off globally um it was lucky enough to go to a women's premier league game um in the uk and just fantastic tottenham stadium and just a fantastic fantastic environment and seeing the positivity around it and yeah i think there's something something in women's sport that where it's getting it right um is and that's a whole different conversation is whether it takes some of the you know toxic things over from men's sport and and trying to grow it and there's um there's people far smarter than i working on those big questions um but the area that i do know is technology and i think it's having a great impact so it's great to see you working on that and uh I encourage everyone listening to um, sign up to the Breakthrough Summit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can sign up at BreakthroughSummit.live. It's happening on December 14th. Um, it's going it's, it's free, accessible to everyone, and um, it's going to be a really exciting event. So really encourage that. And I want to say thank you so much for, for having me on today. It's been a great conversation. There you have it. That was Jasmine Kingsley, General Counsel and SVP People at Huddle. Great to have Jasmine on the show. Really interesting stuff, uh, what they're doing at Huddle in terms of automatic camera systems, but then also how the kind of vision and I guess ethos is probably the word I would use, drives uh, the decisions that are made in it. And obviously something like the Breakthrough Summit 
that's happening December 14th, 12 to 5 Eastern time, free online sign up there. But something like the Breakthrough Summit that really, I guess, is where the rubber hits the road, shows that they are committed to this. Really, it's it's something that they want to change. Uh, and that's the biggest thing, I think, is that there's the, this opportunity here and the kind of comments I had at the end. I think it's everyone's role, especially men as allies in the industry, to do what they can to address that gender equity divide that's that's very apparent in sports. I've been your host, Thomas Loams. Thanks again for joining us on Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Ah!